all my hope is in Jesus. I tell you what, <laughs> whoo, that's a powerful song. Thank you, Lance, for letting us sing it with you. How many of y'all remember when you were back in school? I know for some people that's a little bit harder to remember because it was a little bit longer. Or the, the, the length of time is pa that has passed has been uh, more than others. But, you know, as a boy, when you're out on the playground at recess, we used to play games. We used to play kickball and we'd play football. And sometimes I forget I'm in Atlanta. We play basketball in Atlanta. But when you're out on the playground at recess, you you there's usually a, a couple of team captains. And they're charged with picking the team, and oftentimes the 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 the, the team captain is kind of he's already appointed. And it's usually based on how he looks. He's big, he's strong. It seems like all the team captain is always the same guy. And most of the time the rest of us were left just to stand along a fence. And when I say the rest of us, I was never that guy that was the team captain. I was always one of them that was standing along the fence. And as he would go along, each team captain would be picking players to be on their respective team as they went along through the process the uh, the anxiety would begin to build in the, the kids that were left standing along that fence and you began to sit there and go oh Lord I hope I'm not the last one I hope he picks me and usually as it dwindled down to those final uh, kids left on that fence, as there's left with just a couple there, you begin to feel like a nobody. You begin to feel like nobody wants me. Well, I want you to tell I want to tell you here this morning, if you've ever been in that situation, then take great courage this morning. I want to encourage you. Know this, that David, King David, when we were in Israel, uh, our guide Duran referred to him as KD. Take great courage in knowing that King David experienced exactly that kind of situation. And today you can go away knowing that God loves to anoint nobody. Now to understand this story, uh, we need to begin with a brief story about King Saul. That was Israel's first king. He was the one that was king right before David. David replaced him. Now Saul, when we think about Saul, Saul was uh, the kind of guy that never had to stand along a fence. 
He never had to stand there and, and wait for somebody to choose him uh, at the playground. He never had uh, to stand there hoping that he would be the next one chosen because he was usually the one doing the picking. He was the one that was usually one of the team captains. When we read in Scripture, it talks about Saul and it describes him. Scripture says that he was a head taller than everybody else. He was athletic. He was handsome. And culture back then, just as it is today, as the world sees it, those are very desirable things to be successful, to be a leader, to be a team captain, to be a king. Back then, just as it is today, that was a, a slick ticket, if you will, to popularity and success. Now, I want to share with you a little, a little story here uh, before we get into our, our Scripture. And I'm going to have two blocks of Scripture that I'm going to read from this morning. But to give you a little background, uh, God commanded uh, Saul through the prophet Samuel to go destroy the Amalekites. Now this was a group of people that were there and God had instructed Saul to take his army and go destroy them. They were wicked, Scripture tells us. And, 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 and he was told to go destroy all of them. Scripture says to kill uh, all of the men, all the women and all the children and all of the livestock because they were wicked Saul didn't do that. Saul, the, the one perceived as uh, the only one that could be uh, the king based on what he looked like and the, uh, the, the, the presence that he had, he didn't do that. And when he came back, we're going we're gonna to read in Scripture this morning, God knows he didn't do it. So if you got your Bible, turn to... 1 Samuel chapter 15. In this first block of text that I'm going to read, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 13. It says this, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He's just got back from from uh, destroying the Amalekites. But watch what Samuel said here in verse 14. What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. Notice he used the word they. They have brought them. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners 
the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agog, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of plunder, sheep, and oxen. The best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you as king. So Saul has been instructed to go uh, by the voice of the Lord to go and destroy the Amalekites. And God told him, you kill all of them. Wipe them out utterly, completely. He also told him to kill all the livestock, kill everything. What we see here, and I love uh, the way Samuel uh, responded here in verse 14. He says, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? I see a little bit of humor, uh, a little bit of sarcasm in his voice right there. If you did what the Lord said, why am I hearing all of this? Saul disobeyed God. The thing we need to remember here, folks, is that partial obedience is simply disobedience. But it's disobedience that makes us feel better. Saul had a desire to bring back the king here, Agog, as a, as a trophy. The Israelite troops, and, and when I say uh, the Israelite troops, I'm talking about an army. This was an army of 200,000 men. And they had a, a, a desire. They wanted to bring back the choice livestock for themselves. Saul saying they wanted to offer them as a burnt offering was just a lie. He just made that up because he got caught. You see, livestock uh, was a big deal during this age and time. Saul knew what his instructions were, but he didn't want to upset the apple cart. Well, what are you talking about? He didn't want to cause a big riff here by telling them those. No. See, Saul wanted the king. He wanted the king as his trophy, and the soldiers saw all this livestock here, all this big, fine, fat livestock, and the people wanted to bring him back, bring them back for themselves. Saul was the king. He was the team captain. He could have sit there. He could have told him, no, no, you're not bringing them back. God said, don't bring them back. But he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to upset the apple cart. In a sense, he feared his followers here. He feared his own soldiers. He was one man against 200,000. 
You see, fear is based on an earthly value system. We tend to fear more what people think than what God knows. When Samuel presses Saul, not only was Saul disobedient to the Lord's command, but then he lies. Tells him it's for burnt offering. And I love Samuel's response in verse 22 and 23. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? I had a preacher tell, him one time, tell me one time, actually he told the whole church because it was in, uh, in a sermon. He said probably that one of the most important words in all of our faith is obedience. Saul didn't obey. You see, Saul, who fit the role of a king in his stature and in his presence, in every way that man visualizes the king of a nation, yet he was a failure because he didn't obey God. You know, we started out talking about kids standing along a fence getting ready to play a sport. I want you to think about kids on a team. I don't care how great of an athlete a kid is, they could fit the mold of a perfect athlete, but if they don't do what the coach says, they are a failure. They're not going to succeed. So we've talked about Saul, we've talked about uh, a king here uh, that in, by, by the world's standards was a somebody. He was the king, he fit the part, he looked the part, yet he was a failure. Now we're going to talk about the next king. Turn your page over to chapter 16. We're going to read the first verse of chapter 16 and then we're going to jump down to verse 10. We're going to read about three verses. The first verse of chapter 16 says this, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself. Woo, I like that. I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now go down to verse 10. We're going to see Samuel has made his way here to Jesse. Verse 10 says this, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Now, Jesse's sons, I, I, can you see it right? I, I, I can visualize this, uh, Jesse being the proud father. He's got Samuel, the, uh, uh, the, the prophet of God, right here, and he's, 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 he's passing his sons before him, kind of like uh, you're, you're reviewing something. You know, they, I, I can see him walking in front of him. And Jesse's sons, those seven were, 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 were impressive-looking young men. They were handsome, and they were, they were impressive. 
And as they pass before him, uh, listen to what uh, uh, his response is. The Lord has not chosen these. Je uh, uh, Jesse had one more son. Let's read on what it says. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. He wanted that one more over there. That one that was way out over yonder tending the sheep. The one that wasn't very impressive, the youngest. The boy. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. You see, in Jesse's eyes, Jesse, the father of all of these sons, even in Jesse's eyes, when he looked at David, he was not one that looked like a king. In the eyes of the world, had, had they lined all his sons up before us, all these seven being impressive and handsome, and, and little David over here being ready, David would have been considered a nobody. These are the ones that fit the bill, not him. But the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. You see, even Samuel is surprised here at God's selection of David because our earthly value system, uh, when we look at something, how we place value upon it, even our earthly value system is completely different than that of the Lord's. From God's eternal system of value. You see, attractive uh, appearance impresses men, but a submissive heart impresses God. And going ahead and anointing David uh, after turning down all of David's handsome and strong brothers, Samuel is going to demonstrate a beautiful combination of faith and obedience. Submitting to God's sovereignty requires uncomfortable faith. We all know the story of David and Goliath. I'm not going to get into that this morning. David did not fit the role of a warrior when he stood before Goliath, much less a king. He was a shepherd boy. In the eyes of the world, he was a nobody. But he possessed qualities that would always allow him to be victorious. 
He had a repentant heart. God says David was a man after his own heart. He possessed a repentant heart. He was covered in the Lord's anointing. And he was obedient to the same God that anointed him. Brothers and sisters, faith is rarely comfortable. The very essence of faith is uh, submission and obedience. That's what we do. When we get saved, we surrender our lives to the Lord. We obey His Word. But that very essence, the submission and the obedience, is the pathway to God's amazing anointing. God delights in transforming earthly nobodies into eternal somebodies. You know, we just talked about a king named Saul that fit uh, the bill, so to speak. As far as humanity is concerned, he fit the bill of a king, yet he was a failure because he did not obey God. And then we just looked at a, a little shepherd boy that, that even his father passed up to parade in front of Samuel to be the king. And the Lord said, no, I want that one. I want that one. When the prophets in the Old Testament began to speak about the coming Messiah, which literally means the anointed one, we're talking about anointed nobodies. When the prophets began to speak about the coming Messiah, man began to get these images of this, this, this king that was going to come. And remember at the time throughout history, Jerusalem had been conquered by Babylon, the likes of Assyria and the likes of Rome. And they began to get this picture of a somebody, a king that would be riding in on a chariot to vanquish their enemies. But yet this Messiah was born in the shepherd's fields outside of Jerusalem. Born in a cave. You see, the stable that he was born in wasn't what we view as a wooden, wooden top and all this. It wasn't. It was cave. And when he was born, he was laid in an animal's food trough. And as he was raised, he wasn't raised in the palace that you would think of for a king. No, he was raised in meek, humble surroundings in Nazareth. In fact, in the first chapter of John, when, when uh, the Lord began to call his first disciples, Philip surrendered to him and he went and told Nathaniel, you need to come, we found the Messiah, we found him. He's in Nazareth. And Nathanael said, Can any good come from Nazareth? You see, the anointed one, the Messiah, didn't come from some palace in the middle of Jerusalem. He came from Nazareth, a place that people didn't really uh, give much uh, a credit to they didn't give a, a whole lot of prominence to it's Nazareth even even Nathaniel said can any good come out of Nazareth 
And the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, went around and he ministered all those years and he didn't have a home. He didn't have a place to lay his head. When mankind thinks of a king, when mankind thinks of the anointed one, that does not fit the bill. When he was brought before Pilate, before uh, authority, before magistrate, he, he would have been brought into a place where, where he could have flexed his kingly muscles. You see, they had an image of a king that would be marching into Jerusalem in a chariot that was going to vanquish Rome. And when the Lord Jesus was brought before the authority there in Rome, he spoke not a word. And then they brought him out and they placed him uh, on a cross in the middle of two common thieves, in the middle of two nobodies, and he died like a nobody. Yet he was the Messiah. Yet he was the King of Kings. We preached here a while back a, 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 a sermon, a series of sermons in the Garden of Gethsemane, and every one of them the Lord Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. If you show a physical picture of the Lord Jesus, as far as the world is concerned, he was a nobody, yet he saved the world. I want to encourage you here this morning, folks. If the Lord is calling you to do something, don't ever think for one second, I'm a nobody, I can't do that. Because God loves to anoint nobodies. Don't ever say, I can't do something. Because it's not upon our strength that we rely to do it when God tells us to do something. All He wants us to do is surrender and obey. He doesn't care what kind of stature you have. He doesn't care what kind of status you have. He doesn't care if you're a nobody as far as the world sees it. He loves to anoint nobodies. He just wants the submissive heart. If you're here this morning and you're lost, I don't have to tell you who you are. You know who you are. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, why would he save me? I'm nobody. I've done some horrible things. I'm nobody. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, he was hung between two criminals. He was hung between two nobodies. We don't even know their names. Yet one of them surrendered. And the Lord saved him. A criminal, a nobody, was saved. So don't ever think for one second that you're a nobody, that you're beyond saving, because the Lord loves to save nobodies too. 
If you're here this morning and you're lost, I want to encourage you, don't leave this place. Come see me after this is over with because I want to show you in God's Word, regardless of what you've done, you ain't a nobody in His eyes. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for the beautiful day you've given us. Lord God, we thank you for the provision that you've made, Lord. Uh, you've made it available, Father, that we can gather this morning, Lord. Lord, that we can sing and that we can open your word. Father, that we can expound on your word. Father, that we can pray, Lord, that we can worship. God, we're thankful that you're here with us this morning. God, I want to lift up this body, Lord, your body, this body of Christ. Lord, I, I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would minister to them, Lord, even as we leave here. Lord, that if they be here this morning and, and you're calling them to do something, whether it be go pray with their neighbor, Lord, that, that, that if you would have them go share the gospel with their neighbor, Lord, if they're sitting there and they're thinking, they're going, I can't do that. I need to have a, a deacon or my Sunday school teacher, somebody that knows more than me, go do that, Lord. Encourage them to go do it, Lord. Convict them when they're disobedient. Lord, we're thankful that you lo love to use nobodies to accomplish your purposes, Lord, to accomplish your will. God, if there be one here this morning that is lost, Lord, that they think they're beyond saving, Lord, that they think they're a nobody that, that you don't care about, God, I pray that you would pull them close and that you would draw them with your Holy Spirit. That they would come to that point, Lord, that they would repent, Lord, that they would surrender to you, they would submit to you, they would give their life to you. God, I lift up our Sap family here this morning, God, as they laid their baby to rest. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that that baby is with you. God, I pray that you be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them in the days ahead. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you. We pray that everything we've done here this morning, Father, brings honor and glory to thy name. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Don't forget about our bucket out here, Brother Mickey. We, I completely forgot about it. Brother Mickey or Brother Jeff, either one brought it out there. Uh, but uh, I would encourage you, be praying for us. We're going to be recording our... Uh, Sunday night uh, revelation study this evening and if somebody wants to go be a part of that let me know before you leave I want to, if you if the Lord's laid it on your heart if the Lord's laid it on your heart to go be a part of that you know we just preached a sermon about that don't sit there and say oh I can't do that come be a part of it let me know God bless you you're dismissed in Jesus' name.